Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello and welcome to Circling the Bases, proudly presented by Roto World and NBC Sports. I'm DJ Short, and with me here is Eric Samolski. We're live on Twitch right now, so thanks for tuning in. For those of you listening in podcast form or watching later on YouTube, we are recording in the wake of Tuesday's MLB trade deadline, a very busy day of rumors and transactions. The deadline is 6 p.m. Eastern. You've got games about to start. It's it's kind of weird. I feel like it should be earlier in the day. Uh, it's very chaotic, at least for our corner of the internet. But your first trade deadline here at, at Roto World, Eric, how are you feeling coming out of it? Yeah, listen, um, earlier in the week, it sounded like a great idea to do a live deadline blog. And then, <laughs> uh, at, at about 5 p.m., it was like, what a decision to, you know, to, go, to go through all of this. Um, you know, uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, it also just kind of like gives me a little more of a reason to feel like I'm checking my phone all the time, which I was always doing during the <laughs> deadline. And, and now it's like, you know, so that I can actually let people know what's going on. Um, I found it to be an interesting deadline. Like, I know we're going to talk about this stuff later, but like there were a lot of big names moved. And then when I step back and I think about kind of like the bigger picture, like repercussions of everything. Mm-hmm. I feel like at least from a fantasy perspective, like nothing drastic happened. Like I know yeah. big names were traded, but there's nobody where it's like, oh my God, that's like a massive fantasy shift. So it's like, it was right. an interesting deadline from that like real life fantasy split. Right. And I, I, you know, playing in sort of these league only kind of leagues, I feel like a lot of the talent went to the AL side. And there wasn't a ton coming back to the NL side. I'm going to dig into that a little bit deeper going into this weekend. So that's like another part of how you look at these deadlines where you're saving your fab and you're waiting for some help at midseason or for the yeah. final two months. You know, if you're in an AL only league, you're probably pretty happy right now. NL only I am. I am, so in, I am in AL tout. <laughs> um, and the deadline started poorly because it's like, I was starting Trey Cabbage and, you know, I had Mullins on my IL and I was even like, hey, let's give Cade Marlowe a shot. So it was like mm-hmm. all these guys were losing, that I had on my team were losing playing time. Uh, but, you know, and I don't have the most money, but I'll throw it around on some of these guys who came over. Absolutely. So with the NFL season quickly approaching, now is the perfect time to get your Roto World Fantasy Football Draft Guide. Get ready for your draft. And stay one step ahead of your league during the preseason with updated player rankings, profiles, projections, 
mock drafts, and more. Go to NBCSports.com slash draft guide and use draft and use draft 2023. That's our special promo code draft 2023 to save 20% at checkout. So Eric, let's get started right at the top here. We'll talk about the real life ramifications coming out of this deadline. Uh, I, you know, we could talk about every deal. We will not do that <laughs> for the benefit of our, our listeners. You could go to rotorroll.com. You could check out Eric's live blog and you could check out all the transactions on our player news feed at Rotoworld. But we're going to get into kind of the bigger stuff here. So at the, at the top, how about you give me a team you think won the deadline? Yeah, listen, I'm going to defend the Mets here. Um, I think all the criticism that people have given the Mets at this deadline stems from the season is a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I won't argue that the season is a disappointment, but the season and the deadline are two separate things. And right. I think, yes, it is a negative that the Mets find themselves in this situation. Uh, yes, it is a it is a disappointment that they have to sell after yeah. you know coming into the season with World Series hopes. Oh, but yeah. they're not a playoff team right now. They were not yeah. going to make the playoffs. It's just the the nature of the beast, and I think it makes sense that they identified that and they said, okay, our team is led by two pitchers who are over thirty eight, who are you know forty plus. Um, the the that has not worked for us in the last two years. Going all in on o- an older and potentially injury plagued pitching. If we are going to make a run at this thing, how can we do it? They basically bought a farm system and they bought four likely top 100 prospects. And then like, I think five other guys who, who made it into their own top 30, which Mm -hmm. just boosted a whole farm system because Steve Cohen has the money to pay off the rest of the contracts. And you know that they're just going to spend money on free agents next year. So I, I know that Scherzer wanted to say all the stuff about, you know, Epler telling him they weren't going to contend till two, you know, 2026, which I don't know if he said it. And I don't know if it matters if he said it. I don't know if he's even going to be the one calling the shots, but you right. know, they still have a, an interesting and intriguing young core next year and not even young, but like Marte is still around. Alonzo still around McNeil, Nimmo adding to the young guys like, you know, Beatty and Alvarez, Vientos, Mauricio, um, they have a brand new future outfield that they just got in these two trades and they're going to go out and sign guys. So I still think the Mets can compete next year. And I think they just loaded up with a lot of intriguing young talent that either plays for them or next deadline. If the Mets are contending, some of these prospects they just traded for maybe go out the door for somebody to help them compete next year. I just think they gave themselves flexibility. They didn't have before. And that's a huge win. I, I agree. I, as a Mets fan, I'm, I'm kind of, ex- I'm weirdly excited about it now. Not in a way like I just want to like hoard prospects, you know. Like it's easy right. to sometimes get lost in that, in like the tanking mode that some franchises get in. And we could, I don't want to criticize the Orioles, but you know, you can contrast with the Orioles stocking their farm system. They did get Jack Flaherty. You know, is he going to be a difference maker? I don't think so. Right, But I think the Orioles are a team where they're in position to, they could win a World Series this year. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. If they added a frontline starter, not saying there was a perfect solution out there for them 
Was it going to be Scherzer? Probably not. Was it going to be Verlander? Probably not. I think those were very unique cases. We saw what happened with Eduardo Rodriguez declining a trade to the Dodgers too. So I don't know if there was a perfect fit for the Orioles, but they were a team who clearly had a need for starting pitching. They didn't go out and get it. They have a prospect surplus. They're in position to make a deep run in the playoffs. They probably should have done something. Mm-hmm. And look back to next to last year's trade deadline with the Mets. They were in a similar position. And they made just moves around the margins. They got Daniel Vogel right. back. Um, Darren, they got, good old Darren Ruff. <laughs> Darren Ruff, Michael Gibbons for the bullpen. Like at that time, the Mets should have gone all in, mm-hmm. added a slugger, you know, push your chips in, see what happens. Because like right. that's the thing. You, you can build your team perfectly and you just never know if you're going to be back the next year. I think the Mets have, have proven that. Luis Angel Acuna, they essentially bought in the Max Scherzer trade with the the Rangers. Drew Gilbert, Ryan Clifford in the trade uh, with Verlander today with the Astros. Uh, Gilbert, uh, the Astros' first-round pick from last season. Some people like Clifford more than Gilbert um, yeah. based on some of the things I've, his, I've read His today. stats this year are, are great for somebody at his age. Also, like, yeah. you know, Jarvis, who they kind of bought yep. from the for the Brewers. I mean, you know, yep. this isn't a guy who's a, a difference maker, but he is a in AAA right now and has interesting stuff as a pitcher and and you know some potential upside which they don't really have. I mean, their best pitchers right. are at Double A right now um, and just at Double A, like just got there. So there right. there's some time still to go, um, and even. You know, in I think they got way more in Jeremiah Jackson. They got way more for Dominic Leone than I thought they mm-hmm. would possibly get. I mean, you're getting a middle infielder with plus raw power who can also run a little bit. Like, who knows if that comes to anything? But right. like, did people even know that? You know, did people was it, wanted it Leone? The Mets are going to feel <laughs> right. It is that, yeah. did anybody know that they wanted him? Did anybody? Did any Mets fan think, oh, Leone is is pitching? Yeah, don't take him spot right now. <laughs> yeah, you know? I know. Never, never. When he came into the game, I was usually like, ah, this is this is over. I'm going to turn the channel for a bit. Uh, but the Mets also got Marco Vargas, a very contact heavy mm-hmm. infielder, in the trade with the Marlins for uh, David Robertson. Um, who, and that's kind of another safe, the radar. Who blew a he, save tonight he too? He did. He did. Did you see that guy? That's deadline. Yeah. The did you see that guy streak off the field and got away? This yeah. is <laughs> the yeah the Marlins. I don't I don't know. They could have added some security at the deadline. I think yes, was your comment. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. With, uh, maybe was, maybe um, next year. Maybe next one. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they did have a good deadline though. I will say. I think yeah. I think the Marlins had a good deadline. To your point, mm-hmm. uh, that you know I don't want to call them. I think they're they're winners. I know we only had one, but they're they're winners. And I'll say like. You know, you made the point about the the Orioles, and I think that it's good for the Marlins to be like, you know what, we're we're in contention for this thing. Like, we can make a run here, and instead of just sitting back because they have a loaded farm system, they made some moves. They didn't go huge, but you yeah. know, they added pieces that are helpful for them. I think the Rangers are a winner too. Uh, I don't know what Max Scherzer is at this point. Is mm-hmm. he someone you can count on to win a do or die game? I don't think he's that guy anymore. He's a heck of a competitor, though, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against him entirely. But is he the ace that he was? I don't think so. But also to get Jordan Montgomery, fortify that rotation, 
Uh, Nady Evaldi's on the injured list right now. We know Jacob DeGrom's gone. So adding some depth to that rotation. And I, I kind of view them similarly to where the Mets were a year ago and that you have this core that's, Yes, there's Josh Young at third base, but you know your middle infielders, your middle infield is older. I think it's a window here for the Rangers right. uh, to go out and and go for it. And I, I applaud them for for what they what they did. They they spent big over the past couple of seasons, and they're just going for it. So uh, and they got to roll this Chapman too for the back end of that bullpen a couple of weeks ago. So uh, hey, respect to the Rangers for going for it. Yeah, I thought that they made some interesting moves. Um, I thought even like, you know, I'm I'm a catcher, so I always applaud catcher moves. But like getting somebody like Austin Hedges is almost like an under the radar real baseball move where he's kind of the perfect complement to Mitch Garver now that Jonah yeah. Himes out because Garver is an offensive first catcher who can't who it, I don't say can't play defense, but is not a great defender. Hedges is almost all defense on a team that doesn't really need a lot of offense. Um, and so I think those things where you're like, they built around the, the edges, they made huge splashes with, you know, Montgomery Scherzer, but then they built around the edges of the, of the roster in ways that I thought were really interesting, um, yeah. as well. And then also like, yes, they lost Luis Angel, but they, you know, and they, you know, they got rid of some of their, the prospects in their farm system, but I still think like they didn't, they didn't do, like dilute the farm system too much. Yeah. I, I mean, and I'll also applaud the Angels. I'll give them a little bit of credit. Sure. I think they're maybe it will look unwise, like maybe two months from now. But in the interim, you have the best player ever in Shohei Otani, and you only have him for two more months. Um, chances right. are he's not coming back. You're close enough. You're within spitting distance for a playoff spot. You go for it, I think. <laughs> no, uh, I, I think yeah. so. I mean, look, look, they're three games out of the wild card. And if you look at the teams ahead of them, like Toronto dodged a huge bullet with the Boba Shet news, but he's he probably will he might miss a little bit of time. I mean, I, we yeah. know there's no structural damage, but that doesn't mean he's gonna, you know, come back tomorrow. Boston right now didn't really make any moves to make themselves better. We know they're they're getting guys off the injured list and they hope to, you know, yeah. make a push. Story sale, like, yeah. Yeah, Seattle is not daunting. Uh, the yeah. Yankees look like a mess. The Indians, yeah. or sorry, the Guardians, um, I, I'll make that mistake for just years. Put, a, years. put a nickel in the um, jar. Yeah, but the, the Guardians are not a team where you're like, oh, the, you know, we're, we're behind the Guardians, and the Angels are ahead of them right now. Like, I, I think that's it's a team worthy of making a push, and I also get why they held on to Otani. Like, I yeah. know they could have traded and gotten a massive haul for him, but I just think, like, you really want to fold up shop on, you know, the Trout Otani combination without ever having made the playoffs or without ever having made a real run when you're only three games out from doing it and Trout's working his way back. Like I like the moves they made, and we'll talk about one of the guys they added later. But I think they they added some real talent. Yep, Chilito, Ronaldo Lopez, CJ Krohn, Randall Grichik, Dominic Leone. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, uh, what about teams who were, were losers? We kind of alluded to it a little bit, but who dropped the ball at the deadline for you? Well, well, let's stay in the same city. And, uh, I'm going to say the Yankees, uh, this is a team that was just like, they look listless. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, they're only three and a half games out of the wild card. It felt like you're either going to make a move and go for it 
or you're deciding not to go for it. And there are guys, you know, like Severino and Bader, um, you know, I think uh, Kiner Falefa is also on an expiring contract where, you know, you could, you could get rid of some of those guys. You could even do like what the Mets did. And if you trade yeah. Bader and you pay off, you know, a lot of the salary, like, can you get a little bit of a better prospect back? And they did mm-hmm. nothing like, yeah. you know, Kenyon Middleton is nothing. Spencer Howard, you know, at one point was a was a prospect of note. He is he is not anymore. Um, and then the Brian Cashman comments uh, after the deadline just were weird to me. And he kept yeah. saying things like, you know, you'd ra- you'd prefer to be in a more defined spot. That they went into the deadline as opportunistic buyers and opportunistic sellers. Then they became cautious buyers, but teams weren't willing to meet the prices so they decided to take a shot at the playoffs it's like Mm. what does that mean did you (laughs) did you go into the deadline thinking you were going to make the playoffs or did did you just go "Eh, nothing worked so like sure let's go for it like to me that's the that is the mismanagement that everybody was saying that the Mets had in terms of like not being focused I think it's the Yankees and you know that's a huge I just think that's a huge miss and Boston's only second to them, really, because like yeah. I, you know, the the Kike Hernandez deal was nice. They got two, uh, re, you know, relief prospects who um, are not far away. They're in AAA, and they could help now. Um, listen, Luis Urias was an interesting player oh, for the Brewers a couple of years ago, and and you know why not? Maybe he pushes Christian Arroyo as your starting second baseman. But that's, I mean, you know. That's not anything super exciting, and now they're on the fringe of the playoffs. And I know yeah. they don't want to sacrifice the future, but you know there were some there were some moves they could have made that I think they could have made a realistic push for this year without having to mortgage the future too much. Right, I, I think I agree with you on those two teams. Uh, the Dodgers too. I mean, th- they thought they had something for Eduardo Rodriguez. Their rotation was terrible in the month mm-hmm. of July. I think they needed someone. They did get Lance Lynn. But it's kind of kind of like a Scherzer thing, but maybe even to a higher degree, where you don't know what version of Lance Lynn you're going to get right. on on any given night. They did get Ryan Yarbrough as as well, but that's that's not going to really uh, move you too much. So right. I, I don't know. I th- I think the Dodgers needed some some additional help there for that rotation because so much of it is young too, and I just don't know what's going to be there come October. Yeah, and also like look at their offensive moves. I mean, getting Ahmed Rosario and Kike Hernandez is also is not really strengthening a lineup that had some holes in it. I yeah. think, you know, Yarbrough is an interesting like that signals to me whichever young guy stays in the rotation is pro like that's a piggyback situation. I mean, yes. that's when Yarbrough has been at his best is like With the race, even yeah. four innings out of the pen. Like if you see Grove or Miller or Sheehan stay in the rotation, like to me that's they get three innings, four innings, yeah. depending on how they look. And then Yarbrough comes in after. Um, and so, you know, that's, we don't, you know, none of them are probably going to be listed for us in our, you know, fantasy losers section later, which is just such a mean way to put it, but it is what it is. <laughs> um, but like so, somebody in that rotation is going to lose a lot of value. We just don't know yeah. which young guy it's going to be yet. Right. And, and we'll get into that in a little bit with another situation in the national league where, there's kind of more names than than spots. Um, so let's start with fantasy winners, just focusing on individual players at this point. Um, and and I'll get started. Uh, Scott Barlow uh, was traded. Uh, we kind of knew that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
uh, it was just a matter of when the Royals unloading their bullpen, as as they should. They're not a contender. We didn't see David Bednar get traded. I, I guess I'm not super shocked there. He is a Pittsburgh native as well. Uh, yeah. So I think there's that extra incentive to keep him. But you look at this Royals bullpen now. Carlos Hernandez has been an under-the-radar pitcher for the Royals all season. Kind of struggled to find his footing his previous three seasons in the majors. But this year, he's been great. 3.57 ERA, 63 strikeouts, 15 walks in 53 innings. I think he has the path to take over this job uh, and rostered in not that many leagues right now. I mean, the Royals are not good, but still saves are saves. And, you know, if there's a clear path here, if he can roll off of, you know, a few saves, he could just have it the rest of the way. He'd be my top priority of, you know, pitchers who are widely available right now. Yeah, I think he was a huge winner um i always liked his stuff when he was in the starting rotation he seemed like a guy who had the raw ability and it just the results didn't match and some of those guys just need to not think like how can i get through five or six innings they need to think how can i use my best stuff for one inning Mm -hmm. um for me it's him and i'll just because you mentioned closers like him and gregory santos are the two guys i think after the deadline like you really want to get if you need saves because we don't know when Liam Hendricks is coming back. There's no reason for the White Sox to to rush him back. Um, right. Hernandez has a longer window because he's probably the guy for the rest of the season um, and potentially next season. Who, who really knows? Um, but I, those are the two. And I know you have some interesting guys to mention later um, for save specs. Yeah, I'll get right to it now. So Andres Munoz should take over the closer role in Seattle to an extent. You know, Paul Seawald was traded to the Diamondbacks. That situation, which, uh, you know, there was like six pitchers who got saves in that bullpen throughout the season. Kind of a murky spot uh, for the past few months. But now Seawald is the guy there. And in Seattle, you know, Munoz is already rostered in two-thirds of Yahoo League. So probably scooped up uh, most everywhere. But if you want to speculate, Seattle does like to mix it up. Matt Brash. Should figure into that situation as well. Got really great stuff and movement. Justin Topa as well has had a really good year. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a really deep league and you want to spec, I think Topa is a good play. Uh, but it should be a mix of those guys. Probably Munoz getting the majority, I would think. Yeah, I love that call. They're they're both. Um, and, you know, Brash is another guy. You know, we talked about it with Carlos Hernandez. We're like, sometimes... Guys have interesting stuff as a starter, but it's just better for yeah. them to make the move. And it took him a little bit to settle in, but he's been great there. And, you know, we know Seattle's organizational philosophy isn't going to change. They're going to mix and match based on matchup. Right. So what you got next? Um, I'm going to start with, you know, a layup that we, you know, we talked we talked about because of the way he performed today. Um, but a timer, Candelario, uh, you know, he was hitting 258. Uh, for Washington with 16 home runs, 57 runs, 53 RBIs, and six steals. Uh, so just a pretty well-rounded profile. Um, and then he went to the Cubs, and tonight in his first game with the Cubs, he went four for four. Um, and he Bang, was hitting easy. he was hitting sixth. Uh, I'm trying to pull the lineup up right now. Um, and it's just giving them, I like from, you know, missing who the Cubs are. Um, oh, they scored 16 runs too. Wild. This wow. game is still going on. They're pounding the Reds. Um, he hit sixth in the lineup behind, uh, it was Bellinger, cleanup, Swanson, then Candelario. 
So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for RBIs there. Um, yep. There's a slight park boost, nothing crazy, but for left-handed um, power, Wrigley ranks sixth and Nationals Park ranks seventh. So it's just a little bit of a, of a boost. So you have good team context, good yep. um, player just overall, uh, and that. a little yep. bit of a park boost. So I, I think Candelario um, is a really solid add for you know third base or corner infield spots. For the and rest he's – He's available in 50% of Yahoo leagues right now. So uh, decent chance he's out there in shallow leagues. He's going to primarily for play first base uh, with Chicago. The Cubs, I believe they designated Trey Mancini for assignment. They did, yeah. Yeah. Uh, bit that surprising. Was the Mancini and Hosmer whiffs were, yeah. you know, were big. I think he'll primarily play first, which is great because he could get the dual eligibility. And then I think mm-hmm. depending on how Nick Madrigal does at third base – you know, there's always the chance that they call Mervis back up and let Candelario go to third. So, but either way, I think Candelario's in the lineup. Um, yes. And that's all you want when you're talking about his value. No doubt. So, with the trades that the Mets made, there's a path to playing time here for young players. And that should be the priority. Buck Showalter essentially alluded to that tonight. He does love his veterans, and, and we know that. But he said, you know, lineup card, the tiebreaker will go to the young players moving forward, essentially in his mind. So Mark Vientos should get regular at-bats here the rest of the way. Ronnie Mauricio wasn't part of the first wave of replacements on the Mets roster uh, following the trades of Mark Canna and Tommy Pham, but he should be up soon. I- I'm pretty excited fantasy-wise to see what Mauricio can do. 16 homers, 16 steals hitting 293 over 92 games in AAA this season. I think you worry a little bit about the swing and miss with Mauricio. Maybe he gets exposed a bit against Major League Pitching. He's also not really an infielder, so maybe you stick him in left field and kind of hope for the best. But these guys got to play, and I think they're they're the type of players who I could see them having like hot weeks as we finish out the season here. They both have really, really intriguing power. So just keep an eye on it. I think deeper leagues, they're worth certainly Vientos since he's up right now and he's in the lineup tonight. Uh, But Mauricio as well. I think they're both worth stashing and seeing how it plays out. Yeah. Mauricio long-term is interesting because, you know, they, the Mets got three outfielders who are probably now higher ranked prospects than Mauricio or, you know, at least with, in terms of, you know, there's a possibility that they're even who knows, but like you said, Mauricio may be a guy without a defensive home, which will be it. Be curious to see what they do with him, you know, next year. Um, you know, if some of these guys start start pushing for it, but I, I like I like that call. Um, I'm going to go with another young guy for my second winner, uh, and it's going to be Dominic Canzone, uh, who went from Arizona to Seattle in that Paul Sewell deal that you mentioned before. Um, tonight, he's starting in right field and hitting fifth. For the Mariners against the Red Sox, um, this is a guy who was not producing really well uh, in his you know very brief major league time with the Diamondbacks, but in AAA this year um, he was hitting 354 with 16 home runs. Um, so you know there there and a lot of the prospect guys that I that I follow who know way more you know about prospects than I do are really into um, his hit tool. You know he's got a strikeout rate under 20 percent. Um, in the majors, his strikeout rate and walk rate were almost identical in AAA, 13.2% strikeout rate, uh, 12.8% walk rate. So really good feel for the strike zone. 
Um, he wasn't running this year, but he stole 14 bases last year. So maybe there's a little speed mixed in. Um, and to me, he's a winner just because that Arizona outfield situation was really cluttered and it was un- yeah. it was just unclear if he was going to get playing time. Right now, he's battling, you know, Cade Marlowe and Taylor Trammell for, you know, for at bats. Uh, and that's a competition I think that he can win. And I think the first game in Seattle tells us that they're going to give him the shot to win it at least. So I think in deeper leagues, um, he should be added uh, certainly in AO only leagues uh, where, you know, I have the opportunity to, to try to bid on him. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely will. Uh, yeah. So that, that's a guy that I think has to be on radars. What do you think of Paul DeYoung going to Toronto? I, I kind of like it. I guess it depends on what's, the diagnosis for Bichette and if he's going to go on the IL, but I think at least in the short term, he's pretty interesting. Yeah. I, I think it does depend on, you know, we haven't heard what they want to do with, um, never what they want to do with Bichette yet. We know there's no structural damage. He's right now day to day, but they also haven't ruled out an IL stint. So it's like, you know, if DeYoung is the starting shortstop for three games, yeah, that's not great. If he's the starting shortstop for two weeks, then that's a really good short-term pickup. So, you know, that's a situation where like where I'm really closely uh, watching just kind of like, you know, or closely watching the, you know, Blue, uh, Blue Jays, sorry, Twitter feed, uh, and trying to see, you know, what the, de- the designation comes out for uh, Boba Shett. I think one of the more fascinating trades actually happened yesterday. So the Rays picked up Aaron Savali from the Guardians and then – the Guardians got Kyle Manzardo in the deal. And Manzardo was someone who, going into the season, was someone who was talked about everywhere mm-hmm. as a top-hitting prospect. Like, statistically, Manzardo looks like he's taken a step back. But, you know, you listen to evaluators, especially coming out of that trade, they love Manzardo. They think he can hit. not Maybe not like a masher, but someone who has a great feel for the strike zone um, makes contact, makes hard contact as well. And the Guardians need a, a player like that. They need a bat. We know they can develop pitching, but uh, I like that trade a lot too. Uh, for the Guardians, we'll see. The Rays could maybe work their magic with Savali, but I think mostly for them, they need the depth. Yeah, Manzardo's hard hit rates in the in the AAA this year are great. Um, and I know that a lot of people have mentioned that there's stuff happening with him uh, personally off the field, uh, which has led to some of the struggles this year. Um, and so, you know, in, just an important reminder that, you know, baseball players are human and sometimes you go through some rough patches in, in life. Um, so, yeah, I think that – and I think there's a shot that he can, can get called up later this year. I mean, we know that Cleveland traded away Josh Bell – um, so there is the right. opportunity for Manzardo to basically just take Josh Bell's role. Um, and I'll add to that with some other some other young guys that I think, um, you know, prospects who may get a shot now. I think, you know, Mason Wynn, we talked about DeYoung um, being traded away. Brendan Donovan is now out for the year um, right. in St. Louis with that, that shoulder injury. Mason Wynn's only 21 years old, so it depends how much they want to rush him. But since May 23rd at AAA, he's hitting 325 with eight home runs, five stolen bases, and only striking out 13% of the time. Um, yeah. You know, that's a guy who seems like he's handling AAA pretty well, regardless of, of age. Um, yeah. And then I think also um, Jackson Wolf uh, is another young guy who I think is a, is a winner. Um, he came over to Pittsburgh 
from uh, San Diego. And, um, you know, he had a uh, 30% strikeout rate in double A this year. Um, he's kind of a guy who relies on a funky delivery and deception. Um, but I think that with more, I, I don't see why the, the pirates wouldn't, put him in the rotation or give him shot or give him a shot at the rotation. Cause he already got called up, uh, had one start for the Padres um, and it didn't go great. But again, Padres are a little, a little bit of a deeper team than, than the pirates. Um, and so here's a guy I think has performed well this year um, and made himself interesting for NL only leagues, um, you know, or, or deep leagues like that. I think, you know, if you need a starting pitching option. So Rich Hill and G man Choi go to the Padres in that deal. I believe this will be Rich Hill's, 13th major league team. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you play immaculate grid, I mean, that's, that's just awesome. It's nice to have yeah. another, another option you can play with there. Remember they need a, they need to get a full, they need to get a full game in before yes. you use that. So yeah, don't do it tomorrow. I've got a, a lot couple of, days. I've, I've gotten a lot of uh, poor results on immaculate grid. And I'm like, I knew this guy played for that team, but he, <laughs> tra- he got traded in AAA and never made the big league. So, you know, you know, Gene Segura. So there's the trade with, uh, the, the Marlins and the Guardians. So Josh Bell goes to uh, Miami. Uh, Gene Segura uh, heads to Cleveland with Khalil uh, Watson, who was mm-hmm. the Marlins' first-round pick a couple of years back. So the Guardians immediately dumped Gene Segura. So do not guess Gene Segura. Yeah, he will never play a game for the Guardians. Yeah. Well, for I mean, who knows? He may be around for years to come. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, before we move on, I just want to, one of the guys I hinted at before, I also just think Randall Gritchick is a, is a winner at the deadline. Um, I think he's locked into full-time playing time, uh, taking Taylor Ward's spot with the angels. Yeah. Um, and the angels ballpark is still a really good offensive environment. So I know it's not Coors, but he's in a better lineup in a good park. And especially when trout comes back, that's a much better lineup. Um, so yeah, I would try to add Gritchick if I could. Yeah, I like Richick. I think his power plays regardless of venue. And I think there's something to be said for just the consistent at-bats outside of Coors Field. Like for so long, there's been the Coors Field effect when hitters leave Coors Field on a road trip and they have a little bit of a hangover. And then by the time they adjust, they head back to Coors Field. It's like this vicious cycle. So I think it all comes out in the wash over the course of a season if if a player makes that switch outside of Coors. Um, and he's only 30% rostered right now. Yeah, I, I think he's a great power bat, and he's hit well recently, too. Mm-hmm. Before we move on here, just a quick reminder. Start your Sunday with an AL Central battle in Cleveland. Watch Luis Robert and the White Sox take on Jose Ramirez and those Guardians we were just talking about on MLB Sunday leadoff. Catch the action live and exclusively on Peacock at 11.30 Eastern this Sunday, August 6th. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. 
it probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We're completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. So let's get into some of the fantasy losers. Sorry to say it that way, but <laughs> <laughs> the players will be probably be dropping in a lot of our leagues. I think what you look at first is closers who are traded to teams where they're no longer right. going to be saving games. And this is kind of an easy one with Scott Barlow going to the Padres. I think if you had Barlow on your roster, you were anticipating this to occur at some point, maybe even last year, and it didn't happen. But this year it finally did. The Padres are buyers. I think you can debate whether that makes sense for them to be buyers. I think they've been unlucky this year. I think they're a better team than their record indicates, but still it is what it is. And they're going to need to make a really serious run here to, to secure a wild card spot. But they did not trade. They added Scott Barlow. They still have Josh Hader in the closer role. Barlow obviously strictly a setup man at this point, so he's a drop. With Paul Seawald joining the Diamondbacks, we said earlier, Kevin Ginkles pitched well. Scott McGuff, I think, has had the last couple of saves there for in Arizona. Now they're both drops as well. So start there. But what else do you got, Eric? Yeah, I think that I think that's one of the easy ones. Um, I think this is going to come as a surprise, people. I think Jake Berger is a is a loser at the deadline. Um, and I know he went from a team that is you know giving up in the White Sox to a team that's contending in the Marlins, but Jake Berger, he makes his hay in fantasy for power, right? He's hitting 214. He's got a strikeout rate in the mid thirties. He's not helping you other than the fact that he has 25 home runs and a 19.6% barrel rate. Well, guaranteed rate field where he played in Chicago for right-handed pull power is the sixth best field in baseball. And his new park is the 28th best park in baseball for pull power so he's going for this from the sixth best park to the 28th and i know that he hits the ball hard enough that his power won't just like evaporate because of that but that's a massive massive park decline um and also the schedule is harder for the marlins than it was for the white Sox. so those are two things where like i'm not telling you to drop Jake Berger, I'm not telling you that, like, I mean, depending on the, the league that you're in, I'm not saying, like, he's an auto drop immediately right now. But I think yeah. that there there's going to be a hit to that value because I don't think the power is going to be as readily available and then you're going to be stuck with a 210 average and lots of strikeouts. Um, and so I think this kind of is good for him for real-life baseball and dinged him for fantasy. What do you think about Tommy Pham going to Arizona? Now, with the Mets, he was – had like great lineup territory and just the way he was hitting, he's basically the Mets best hitter for, you know, six weeks. He's playing every day. You mentioned Arizona. It's tough to crack that outfield. Fam is not a great outfielder at this point in mm-hmm. his career. Lourdes Gurriel uh, has struggled a lot over the past two months. So I think fam strengthens them from the right side, but 
I don't know if the playing time will be as frequent as it was with the Mets. What do you think? Yeah, I, I in the live blog I mentioned that um, I downticked his value a little bit for that exact reason. Um, I think he could still get a decent number of games sliding in for Lourdes Gurriel, but they're not just going to like bench Lourdes Gurriel every single game. Um, so there's going to be some mixing and matching. You know, when they face a lefty, they could probably get both of those guys in the lineup, but it's not going to be as consistent playing time um, as he was seeing before. So to me, I, I agree with you on on Fam being a, a little bit of a quote-unquote loser. And then I would say Gurriel as well, just from the other side of it. Yeah, I agree. Um, so the Phillies getting Michael Lorenzen, I, I, I think is interesting. I like the move. I, I feel like the Orioles should have gotten Michael Lorenzen personally. Um, but there is some fallout with this rotation, I think. Yeah, and it's it's right now they have – and if they add Lorenzen to the rotation, they have a six-man. So they may roll with a six-man, but they have it in the past. So – Probably one guy has to go to the bullpen, be stretched out, or, or sorry, be a, a bulk reliever. Um, Christopher Sanchez has really pitched his way into that rotation. So yeah. I think it would be a shame if they removed him. So your initial thought would be okay, Ranger Suarez can go to the bullpen. He's been fine this year, he hasn't been great. Um, but Lorenzen is also only eight innings away from matching his career high in innings. And Lorenzen has been a reliever before. Last year was his first year as a starting pitcher. Um, Matt Gelb, who covers the Phillies, said the Phillies were toying with the idea of maybe putting Lorenzen in the bullpen. They hadn't decided if he was going to start or relieve. Uh, So all of that is a little bit concerning right now because if you connect enough of the dots, it seems like it makes the most sense to just put Lorenzen in the bullpen as a multi-inning reliever. Um, And then there goes essentially all of his fantasy value because he's not a back-end reliever. He's not, you know, doing what Nick Pavetta was doing where he was, you know, pitching five-plus innings. Um, He's probably going to go three, maybe four. Uh, And so, you know, we have to wait and see if that's what the Phillies do, but but that could really kind of crush Lorenzen's value. Yeah, I agree. I I don't think, like you were saying earlier, I don't think there's like a ton of obvious – uh, fantasy losers coming out of this deadline. I think a lot of yeah. value is essentially staying the, the same. Stay for like the closers, right? Yeah, I think this like you know you look at the guys like Scherzer, Verlander, Flaherty. They switch teams, but like, is there really a massive? Maybe you're talking like minuscule little up and down based on like the team context, the defense behind them, things like that. Yeah. But that's also all. It's like a little bit speculative to a certain extent. Um, and I, I think that all of the other guys we're talking about, like Josh Bell, like, sure, he could see a boost going to Miami, but it's not a good park and he hasn't been hitting well. So, you know, is, is he really going to be, you know, is he really going to get a a, a tick up? Um, Garrett Cooper, like, I want to say Garrett Cooper is a downgrade because he's going from playing every day in Miami to going to San Diego, but San Diego's also been trotting out you know, Matt Carpenter and right. um, Jake Cronenworth. And now essentially, I guess maybe G-Man Choi mm-hmm. at first base in DH. Could Garrett, could Cooper take those at bats? Yeah, he could. So I don't think he's clear loser there. He may, he may wind up being a winner if he, if he gets that job. So I've always liked Cooper. Of, it's just a matter of him staying healthy, which he hasn't bad exactly. ballpark, bad lineup. You never know. Yeah. Um, Another one I'll throw potential loser like Edward Oliveras, 
the Royals added Nelson Velasquez um, yep. from the Cubs. Velasquez is 24. He's got multiple years of, of control, and he's a better defender than Oliveras. And the Royals have in the past clearly not wanted Oliveras to be an everyday player. They've been <laughs> They've him up and him down like 30 times. <laughs> uh, but but we don't know. Like is yeah. is are they gonna give Nelson Velasquez that that chance? Um you know I, I have no idea. I will say if you're in an AO only or a deep league, the Royals also got Devin Mann from the Dodgers. Yeah. Um and Devin Mann this year has played left field third base, first base and second base while hitting 307 um, in 87 games for the Dodgers AAA team, I think he's he warrants being in the Royals lineup. Um, yeah, I would expect them to try to get him in there at some point. So that's a name I would keep an eye on as well. Good stuff, good stuff. So eventful trade deadline. Uh, you know, I think Verlander dominated pretty much everything today. I mean, I am a Mets fan too, so it's part of it. But you know, he was the big name that was dealt today, and I think anytime. Anytime the, the Mets are involved in something and Steve Cohen, mm-hmm. where you have a $400 million roster, the richest roster in baseball history. I was looking earlier in the show, I was looking for the book, uh, the worst team money can buy. Yeah. But what Steve Cohen did today was actually kind of brilliant. You cannot say that about the, t- the 2023 Mets. Cause now we need an additional like eight years to really know the answer because he used those players to buy prospects. So he delayed kind of the conclusion of this story. Yeah, and I think you know it's it's funny because he it showed early that money can't buy you a championship because they spent yeah. a lot of money and the team fell on their face. But money bought him an entire farm system and maybe a championship um, yeah. just by like pivoting you know his direction. Uh, so it's it is certainly intriguing. I'm sure there are a lot of teams and owners that hate it. Yes. Um, and I will <laughs> yeah. say just because you're talking about the Mets, like we got to turn the page on. I heard Keith Hernandez on the broadcast today blame the World Baseball Classic for the Mets mm. bad season. Like, mm. I think we got to turn the page on on that. Yes, it was unfortunate that Eben Diaz got hurt again, not not pitching, right? Not yeah. pitching in the game. There were spring training games going on where players were getting hurt. Um, so, sure. you know, he could have gotten hurt doing that. But He's not the reason, you know, Edwin Diaz getting hurt isn't the reason that other people got hurt, isn't the reason Scherzer underperformed, isn't the reason that Pete Alonso is the only player with an OPS over 800. Like, yeah. you know, th- those are other other issues. Although, if you're a Mets fan and you remember when Diaz got hurt, like the moment it happened, I was kind of like, this year, this year's oh, cursed sure. already. Like, you, you just yeah. knew. And, <laughs> and, and also, like, you know that that's it's interesting to me, and we don't we don't have to spend the whole episode time about the Mets. We can close it off at any point. But it's like you spend so much money, but then they just weren't aggressive enough last deadline. You spend so much money, but Diaz goes down, and you don't really make a move to try to replace him. And then all of a sudden, your bullpen is this you know Robertson who was great and a hodgepodge of of other guys. And yeah. so I, I was shocked that they didn't try to do something else. And I'm not saying like, you know, go out and like have traded for Scott Barlow before the season started. Um, But just to, to get some sort of reinforcement to replace Diaz uh, that to me felt like you spent all this money. You should spend a little bit more and replace that one guy. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think Diaz is the reason. I don't think the world baseball classic is the reason, but uh, it was an early indication to me that things were not going to go well, but sure. Uh, 
this was a fun deadline. Um, I hope you had fun on your first deadline at Roto World. And, and now we'll, you know, we'll move on here to the final two months of the regular season. Uh, hopefully you have some fun pickups this uh, next few days in your fantasy leagues. Remember to subscribe to Circling the Bases wherever you get your podcasts. You can actually find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. Definitely check out the Roto World Football Show with training camp underway and fantasy football prep going on as well. Also, follow us on Twitter or X or whatever it's being called today. Eric is at NYC on X slash Twitter. I'm at DJ Short. <laughs> Take care, everyone. We'll see you next time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.